just so y'all know, please, um, you can fast forward all of my episodes um, to about five minutes in just because that is my intro music. Um, since usually this is a video podcast, um, I have a countdown of five minutes. So please do if you need to.
right. <laughs> so it was on mute. All right. Uh, give me a thumbs up to make sure everything's okay. Uh, all right. Awesome. Um, I'm trying out some new some new programs, so just bear with me with everything. Uh, it's been like about a week that I've been on. So um, what's going on, everybody? Just to introduce myself, my name is Eric Velasquez. I am interviewing the candidates for the city of San Antonio elections that are upcoming um, here really shortly. And early voting starts April 19th, ends April 27th, and the election day is May 1st. So if you didn't register to vote yet, um, it's too too late, but go check. Just make sure you're registered. If not, you know, unfortunately, you won't be able to vote in this up, upcoming election. But please make sure you get out and vote if you do um, and start getting to know more about the candidates and what positions they uh, they are about, are about. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in our, our next guest. Hello. Hi, how are you? Man, how are you? Um, Very everybody- good. In the comments, make sure if you can hear everybody, please give me a thumbs up. I would just want to make sure that you guys can hear it as well. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it'll be okay. Um, all right, so go ahead and introduce yourself. Great. Well, good morning, Eric. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. My name is Melissa Cabello Harada. I'm running for District 6 City Council uh, for my first reelection. I'm really grateful to have been born and raised in District 6. I went to Taft High School, Timberwell Elementary, uh, St. Mary's undergrad, and I also got my JD from St. Mary's and an MBA for from UTSA. I, um, I'm very, very San Antonio. I am Budo all the way through. I, I love this city. It is my, is my home. It's my lifeblood. And I'm really grateful to serve my community by, by serving as an, uh, the city councilwoman. I, I feel a lot of my job is giving back to this community, these neighborhoods that help raise me. So it's important to me to give back. But more than that, it's uh, it's I'm an advocate. You know, I'm an attorney, a disability attorney by trade. And what I do is advocate for people who feel marginalized, you know, these communities that don't feel like they have a voice at the table. Thank you also for bringing up the election that's coming up. If you're not registered to vote, register anyway. You can vote in the next election. Every election is important but mainly local because it, it has the most impact on your day-to-day life. Uh, so, you know, thank you for getting, um, helping to get the vote out, Eric. And, and as you mentioned, early voting starts April 19th, which is a matter of days, a week from today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and um, you know, I was looking at a, a recent thing that was saying that San Antonio, it's steadily increased with voter turnout, but it's so low, like so low, 11, yeah. 12%. So um, let's, let's do that. 11 and 12 percent of registered voters it's not even 11 percent of the city i would love to say it was 11 percent of the city but um right. it's a small fraction um and that's how you are how are your voices are heard so so get out yeah. and vote <laughs> right um okay so i know you recently were they kind of highlighted you in the news about the whole issue with the sapd and the and the, the police chief son and everything yes, um you can you talk about what you're seeing um, and what you would like to see in regards to the SAPD issue with accountability, proposition, you know, B and all that, if, where you lie on, on that issue. You know, it's the, the main issue that I have with all of this is transparency. When I understood what happened, um, uh, you know, I'm jokingly to say what may or may not have happened at the airport, right? Because we don't really know. We don't, we don't get to read that report. 
the, the, the main issue that I had was that the fact that there is a, some report out there that was commissioned by the city, which means commissioned by us, the people, and we don't get access to that report. If there is or is not racial profiling going on it with the airport police, then we need to know about that. So that was my number one issue. The chief's son, um, ha whatever happened, he had that record expunged. And I, you know, I, I believe in his right to do that. And I believe in his uh, right, are you know, the rights of the law, that the, the law protects him in having us read the report of his arrest. What I want to see is that report about racial profiling at the airport. For me, it's all about transparency with all of with everything that's going on. I really commend the, um, the organizations that, that went out and got those signatures. That's the process. That that's what that's our right as citizens to be able to go and petition and put something on the ballot. So I support um, the process and that they were able to go and do that. And I commend them. It's not easy to do that. You know, there's been several ballot initiatives that have been tried and, and they don't get the, the signatures. So it's up, you know, for, for a, a vote here in a matter of days in a week. And um, it's important that everybody gets their, their, their vote out there and, and has their voice heard because ultimately that's the way that we get, we're able to tell the city, we need this transparency. We need this uh, access to this information. And, you know, I get calls at my office and, and what I always tell everybody is you've got to go vote. You know, that's the way you hear it. I hear you. And um, but this is a, a, at this point, it's it's for the people. The people are making this decision. So that's the number one um, way to, to solve the problem. What do you think? What do you think is the, the a good model for accountability then if 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 this removal of the chapters is not one of them? Um, or remove of the chapter is not one of them. What What are some of the things that you think, um, being an attorney, uh, I know it's different, but I know you study specific part of um, law, but what do you see as a, as a better outcome for accountability in police departments? Again, it's transparency. You know, there's, uh, I've, I've talked to so many community members. I've talked to police officers and I think everybody can agree that nobody wants bad officers on, on the streets. You know, those are the ones that make us, put us in danger, but also make the police department look bad. So that accountability is, is transparency. It's, uh, you know, even with the, um, the negotiations that are going on, the, the fact that they even have them publicly broadcast right now is, is something because, uh, you know, they, they don't normally do that. But, but even that, we don't know everything that's going on. Even as an elected official, I don't, I don't have privy. I'm not at the negotiating table, you know. And when my constituents ask me what's going on, it's the same thing that I see, um, that y'all see on TV. You know, I, I have to kind of keep up with it. So it's, and it's my job to do that. But I think what really, where the accountability lies is in everything being an open book. You know, the, 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 police department has a training manual this thick. And I actually started going through it. And, and that's my job because I represent the people, the people, the people that are working, right? They don't have time to go uh, read this book. So that's my job. I start going through this book and highlighting and figuring out what, what, where are the, the, the nuances, where can we change? And then I go out to the community and say, look, what do you think about this? Because at the end of the day, it's not ever about what I want. It's always about what I truly believe in representative government. So it's always about what the people that I represent want. And when I get phone calls, when I get emails, when I get um, you know even texts, I take note of those because I have to do what my district is telling me to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, Josie says, if reelected, what ideas, plans do you have to rebuild community and police relations? That's a wonderful question. And I've thought long and hard about this. I think, you know, when I when I tell you that I'm going through this book, this training book, I, I would like to be able to kind of serve that up to the community. And, and, and let's all sit at the table and talk about it. 
a, a year ago, things got very, very heated, and rightly so. You know, there was there was an, an outcry in a way after the killing of George Floyd, and um, we all should be able to be at this table. We can't all be at the negotiating table, um, but we can all sit at a table and talk about what what do you need to see? What do you, uh, a District 6 resident, uh, whatever, wherever you are, you know, District 3, District 5, whatever resident you are, what do you see? What do you want to see different? And then we talk to police officers about that. Um, and and really kind of start that that conversation. I think because when it first popped up, it was also heated and raw, and um, a long time coming. You know that it was it wasn't really we weren't really able to kind of sit down and have a, a discussion about it. It's still raw and it's still heated and, and and rightly so. But at least everybody is kind of we're all understanding other sides to this issue. I think every single side of this is understanding the other side at this point. So for me, it's about you know I keep saying it, but I really do believe that it's about openness and transparency and having those conversations openly. Uh, maybe on a, a show like yours, Eric, you know, to have this public conversation and and everybody be able to kind of give their input on it. And that was the whole reason why I started this is because uh, for, for candidates itself, you know, candidates don't get a, a real open, unbiased view from what I've seen. And, it, and it's 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 disheartening, but also don't get the time to be able to, to voice their their concerns and their opinions and things like that. And I think it really gets a better sense of idea of who the candidate is. So, um, yeah, so. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. If you don't mind, just real quick, because I think that people think we sit on this dais and we that we think we're sort of above or beyond, you know, the constituency. But I am the San Antonian. I'm born and raised here. I take this job very seriously. And as much as I am, I can. I'm out in the community. It's been hard with the pandemic, you know, and that's something that I'm looking forward to getting back to, to neighborhood meetings. But um, but, but I think that sometimes they think they have a, a perception of you as a as an elected or a candidate or um, you know or a lawyer or whatever whatever you do right and they don't know the real you and so it's it's really important and why I'm very excited to be on here today and I take every opportunity I can to be um, to 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 talk to people one on one because I want them to understand where I come from. Right, and, and you know, to be honest with you. Um there's only been two actual sitting council members that have actually come on here. Um, mm -hmm. So it, I know the biggest thing that from, from constituents and from candidates as well as accessibility, right? Yeah. So being accessible, um, I, I appreciate that you have been able to say, I'm, 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 I'm available, I'm accessible, um, because not a lot of people do that. Um, yeah. and, and I think people take note of that. Um, so I, I thank you for that. I appreciate it. I mean, that that's my number one job is is listening to the community and, and going to the dais and voting how my community wants me to. So if I'm not out there all the time, then yeah, that's on me. Right. That's that's a, something that I'm not providing to my my constituents. Right. So let me ask you, what. What are the, the residents in District six telling you, like what what is the, the biggest the, what are the biggest complaints? Because obviously from 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 what I'm seeing, you know, a lot of the candidates are saying, well, uh, and I'm not saying in your in your in your race, I'm saying from other races, it's, oh, well, this, this and this. But at the end of the day, the people who are voicing the concerns to the city council people, that's that's who's going to get heard. Right. So if you don't actually that's go right. and talk to the city council people, um, then they're not going to keep pushing those subjects. So what are people telling asking you in in District six? 
the number one issue that comes up in districts, I'm knocking on doors, you know, I'm, um, and I don't just do that during election time. We, we knock on doors all throughout my term. Uh, we want to know if we're going to put a sidewalk in your neighborhood. We knock on doors and ask you, do you want a sidewalk? Surprisingly, sometimes in older neighborhoods, they don't want a sidewalk or whatever it is, right? So I've got to go out there and talk to you. And to your point, right, that I, I can only do what um, the constituents of District 6 tell me to do, but they have to tell me. They have to come and tell me. And I, but I, even that, I take a step further. I can't, um, um, they're busy, right? They're working, they're going to school, they have families to raise. Uh, so I go out there, I go out into the community and knock on doors. I go to your neighborhood meetings, uh, even though right now, you know, there are a lot of them are virtual and that's where I'm, I'm getting the information, I'm getting the data really that I need to make the decisions that, that I need to make for you. Um, but I think I got off topic. I'm sorry. What was it? <laughs> um, I guess what, what are the, oh. what is what the number one question? Yeah. So what they talk to me about when I knock on doors is their streets. Their sidewalks, drainage, graffiti, potholes. It's what you see when you look out your front door, you know? What the um, council is responsible for. Exactly. <laughs> what we're ultimately responsible for. And there's a lot of overarching political issues, and they're very important. But my eyes are always on the streets, the, the drainage, the, the potholes, graffiti, all of that stuff, because that is what my constituents tell me that they want. I, I love this district. We're very, very diverse. We, we start in Edgewood, um, and then we go all the way over to Alamo Ranch, even go to Government Canyon. The, the natural area. It's very diverse, ethnically, socioeconomically. And so I have to be out there and I've got to talk to every group. And so, and I really enjoy it because they, they're telling me, uh, you know, maybe I think this is a priority for district six. And then I go out and talk to them and they're like, nah, I don't want that. I want this. And so I like, okay, I'm going to, that's my job. That's what I go and I do. That's what I focus on. Um, so it's, it's always infrastructure. And so, uh, you know, I'm really proud to say that we, we were able to garner 44 million in infrastructure to district six. I always want to collaborate with the other council members, uh, on, on issues, state, uh, you know, all other elected, uh, offices so that we can try to get as much resources to the city. But I got to admit that I'm very selfish when it comes to district six dollars. I mean, I really want to make sure that we have the money we need to fix those sidewalks, to fix um, the drainage issues. I'm a disability attorney. I don't want to see these busted up sidewalks. I think about somebody in a wheelchair or, you know, our, our abuelos out there and, you know, with their canes and, you know, walking in the street because they can't even walk on the sidewalks, you know, it's dangerous. And so that's always my priority. I get really passionate about it. And it's it sounds crazy because it's streets, you know, <laughs> but it's yeah. it's day to day living that that's the impact that it has on um, our elderly, our kids walking to school, you know, um, in Edgewood, there's a lot of areas where they're walking to school and they're in they're splashing through puddles to get to school and they, they shouldn't have to, to to be dealing with that. So. That's where I get, you know, a lot of, um, that's what I hear when I'm, not, I'm knocking on doors. That's that's what people are telling me about. So that's what I focus on always. So, I mean, here's the thing is, is from a lot of people's perspectives, it, they, they feel that city council is just trying to do, you know, bigger pet projects or, or different things that, I don't know, that is really not needed, so to say instead of worrying about infrastructure um do you see that uh, or is there something that maybe you can you can kind of convince the public otherwise i mean not not specifically in your district maybe but the rest of the city council and how can we how can we stop that from happening if it is happening I, I don't I don't know um, exactly what's meant by a pet project, but maybe it's because I really don't have one. You know, I didn't come into District Six uh, elected seat with an agenda. I didn't have you know this is my agenda. I want to get this done. 
uh, this one thing done. It, it's, it's, it was always responding to what I was hearing. And um, like you mentioned, right, that's what I, that's what our, what we were elected to do is, is uh, these kind of boots on the ground issues. I, I do know, you know, that there's other electeds that have, that come in with like the, I'm going to change the world and with on this particular issue, and this is how I'm going to do it. And you know, that we need that too. I mean, we need that passion for, for certain issues uh, that are, that, that are important to our community, but it has to always come kind of at a backseat to what the first item is, which is what constituents are telling us to do. In our district, I will say, I, if I was knocking on doors and everybody said, you know, this is what I'm passionate about, this one thing, then, hey, I'm going to focus on that. But we don't have that kind of, you know, like you mentioned, like a bigger political issue that that they're talking about. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful in a way to be able to focus on the things that I have some control over that, that the city budget, you know, we, we have city budget dollars to help to maintain or correct or improve. Another big issue that I will, I will say this, if there is a, a big issue outside of infrastructure, um, and it's not really outside of infrastructure, but in my district, it's parks. They love, districts love their parks. I think part of it is because um, I was growing up out there. It was almost like living in the country. There was nothing out there. You know, um, If you think of Taft High School in the early 90s, it was out in the middle of cows and there was a convent. That was it, you know. So um, now it's Alma Ranch. You know, now it's all, you know, we're the fastest growing district in the city. So what people hear to me is green, uh, what I hear, I'm sorry, people saying to me is green spaces. We want our we want our parks improve our parks give us new parks I'm, I'm grateful to say in every budget cycle i've been part of so far we we're able to procure little neighborhood parks because i think i mean i love the big parks that we we can drive to but to me a park you should be able to walk down the street and go to a park right you shouldn't have to drive to a park so we have these little kind of three acre four acre parks in neighborhoods that we're starting to to focus on um, and I guess if anybody thinks that's my that's my thing, that's my angle, maybe that's it. But it's because my constituents come to me and say, hey, there's a lot of development here. We need to preserve our green spaces. And I'm also oh, yeah. grateful to say I wasn't I wasn't saying anything specifically to you. No. I was just like for other districts. Yeah, kind of an issue. And, and like, so do you think you would like to see more um, like community gardens? Because yes. that, a lot of people are. Trying yes. to push for. I get really excited about that because um, we have a food desert in my district. We have Edgewood, right, and 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 other parts, not just Edgewood, but you know, around the the John Jay area, there's not a, a a chain grocery store. There's not a healthy corner store for people to go and get fresh produce. Produce over the pandemic, we've asked, uh, we partnered with the food bank to bring fresh produce delivery to to that area, and um, we, the Edgewood. Um, uh, administration, the su superintendent's office, all they really helped us to get fresh produce out there. And people were lining up for bags of fresh produce. That's really important. That's that's real. That's every day. You know, people need that. So what I took that cue and listening to my community and I'm looking for a, a park. I want a park area. What I read about, I read this article in Atlanta. They have like a seven acre um, food forest. So I started asking around and let's figure out how to do this. So it's community garden, yes, but it's also a, almost like an orchard. Like we'll be able to have a nonprofit come in and run this this community park and it will be a, a food forest where you can go in and you can pick a, you know, a peach off a tree and you can go uh, get some cucumbers planted. And, and it's really exciting because you get to be involved in it. And I think it's a, a really good educational aspect and um, opportunity for, for children. Um, and, and young people alike, and, and even, you know, I shouldn't say, not just little kids, but teenagers, young people to get out and to understand how important it is 
to make these healthy decisions. Because when you are struggling to survive, your your last concern is how healthy is my meal, right? You're just trying to eat. You're trying to you're trying to figure out how to feed your children, all of that. So that's I think something that we need to help and, and cultivate. And that's something I'm really excited about doing. I want to do, of course, uh, Atlanta has the biggest food forest right now. I think it's seven acres. I want to do it better. I want San Antonio to be biggest and baddest. So I want it to be a 10 acre park. And that's just to start with, you know, but it has to be strategically located there in that neighborhood so that people can walk, ride their bikes, ride the bus and get to that place without having to need a vehicle, without um, there, there's not going to be any economic challenges to getting to that that place. But the Food uh, Policy Council, I've been working with them and um, we're really trying to figure out how we're going to end up running it. I think I've got a, a, a site located Um but we have to figure out how, because you can't just go plant it and say, okay, how about it? You know, somebody has to run it, right? So yeah. well, nobody better than a nonprofit. Yeah, go definitely. Ahead. Have you um, considered vertical farming at all? Yes. Yeah. So that's another aspect of it. We're, we're looking at that. And I don't, I don't want it to just be a food uh, forest. I mean, although that's very, very important. I'm looking at it being a bigger, bigger track where we can have like vertical um, farming, uh, the, the, the food forest, but also, you know, there's a lot of older people in that neighborhood and just like a walking trail, a padded walking trail, um, those little outside exercise equipment um, pieces. And, and then, of course, a place that we want we want children and, and older, everybody in between to be able to use the park. But it, I think it's going to be sort of a feature of a bigger park. And, and in that area where we're really looking at bringing um, up health outcomes, uh, that's I think it's very, very important. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, I'm open to all uh, all of those views because I, it's, I think the best solutions come from the people that are dealing with the problem. You're right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Josie said that Councilwoman Kamea uh, Harra has been one of the few city and council members that has remained accessible to constituents and advocates, even those who oppose her own views. <laughs> that means a lot to me. That's the highest praise I can get. Um, right. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So on Instagram, um, we have... Uh, healthy communities start with healthy soils, educating the poverty-stricken communities how to grow in their own food, and the importance of composting. Yes. Uh, medical herbs and flowers. Yes, very, very true. That's and great. But is there anything that you know you would like to continue on or to push for if you do get reelected, or even you know if for some reason I'm just saying, um, you know, <laughs> you, think you would continue to do something to push for the district itself? That's a, a good point. You know, I, I, you know, God willing, I'm reelected, but if I'm not, I'm still going to be out there. I've got too much invested in these communities. I'm not going to stop. This food forest is like in my blood now. I really want to get this for this community. And part of it is uh, I, we did a, an urban farming uh, council consideration request. So that we're looking at that now, but it's to be able to have these community gardens and not, uh, it's removing some obstacles really to, to community gardens, not just the big one that we're looking at, but, you know, a backyard uh, neighborhood uh community garden where people are, are wanting to hear, I have an abundance of, of tomatoes or whatever it is. Let me give them out. There's actually some obstacles to that. So one thing I'm working on, and I'd like to continue to work on after um, re-election re is to be able to remove those barriers for people to be able to share the the produce that they're, that they are, um, they're growing, you know, in their backyards. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, with the property taxes, and I know this is like this is always a, a, just an issue, but with the property taxes, what do you see? Is there some type of relief that we can push for 
for the residents because it's getting worse, like even worse than it is. Um, yeah, it, it, it really is. I mean, it, you know, we all got uh, our property tax appraisals here a, a couple weeks ago. And um, I, I'm having these um, these kind of uh, educational sessions with a tax professional. They're free, by the way. Uh, I think my next one is April 24th. And well, um, I, I may, if it's okay, Eric, I may send you that link to share with your, your viewers. Everybody's uh, welcome to attend. It's by Zoom, so it's uh, it's you know wherever you are, you can join in. But um, the first one that we had had maybe 15, 20 people show up, and I got a lot of good feedback. They said I, I learned a lot of tricks about protesting my taxes, you know. Yeah. But then everybody got our appraisals in, and then the next session had like over 100 people because <laughs> now right. we're like, yeah. whoa, I need this help, right? And so I'm very grateful to offer this um opportunity a gentleman named john palaio who's doing it for free and you know it, it's just it's really really helpful i learned a lot about it. i've been through that process it's a difficult process to protest your taxes i'm an attorney and i was going through this process like whoa this is a lot you know and to get the pushback that i, I, I did i compared it to car buying <laughs> yes 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 you feel like you're getting like like hustled a little bit right yeah and I remember going down to the tax office. I sat down in front of him. I had this guy threatening me. Well, if you don't take this deal, well, then we're going to, we're going to, you know, you're going to go to a hearing. I was like, great, let's go to a hearing. <laughs> you know, I felt like I was getting a hustle. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. And so, um, and also on that point, shameless plug, <laughs> um, <laughs> one o'clock today, just remember guys that we are going to have also how to process your taxes um, okay. on live stream today. So please do that if, you, if you're going to watch that later on. We will have a Bear County Appraisal District representative um, doing a presentation. So please join, learn how to do that. If you can't, you can also watch it or you can also jump on to, to Councilwoman um, Harvest. Uh, when is it? April when? 24th. 24th, 24th, 24th. Sir, yeah. Just send me that link and then I'll- I uh, sure I'll will. As well. but, I um, sure will, yeah. And, and since this will be a live stream, um, you, it'll be a Q&A as well. So you can ask directly to the BCAD awesome. representative. So um, there's no better way to, to actually just ask the representative themselves. So yeah. <laughs> um, definitely do that. Uh, so what was the what was that jump from <clears throat> running for office, right, when you first got elected to, to what was that jump like for you to, to enter into the race? And just to keep that momentum going now. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna if you'll indulge me, I have a I'm gonna tell you a little something about why I ran in the first place, right? Uh, and it's so like so much of what we do as an, as adults, it's just because of experiences I had as a, a child. One in particular, uh, my my grandparents lived in the inner west side, uh, and I was growing up. My, my grandfather was. Um, you know, he wasn't an, a formally educated man, but to me, he was a lot. You know, he was he was a big pillar in my life. And we were walking in his neighborhood one day and uh, we he was on the street. You know how adults would walk on the street and I was in the grass, kind of that protective barrier. And I remember as a little girl kicking at the grass and then looking up at him and asking him, why don't you have any sidewalks in your neighborhood? And my grandfather looked down at me and he said, Porque no les importa. they don't care about us. And even as like a seven or eight year old girl, I was, uh, I won't say a bad word. I was very upset. <laughs> I was, I was, I, it sparked something in me, even as a little girl, it sparked something in me then. Somebody that, that was so meaningful to me um, didn't feel like he had that voice, you know, at the time I didn't understand he didn't have a voice. He didn't feel like 
you know, as a as a, a, a Mexicano, as a, a you know, a Latino, as a, a person who wasn't formally educated, who's a hardworking carpenter and, and raised eight kids, that that he didn't feel like they were going to listen to him. Like, who is he? Right. And so that led me to become an attorney. That's why I went to law school. It was that moment in my life where I decided I'm not going to let that happen to people like my grandfather. I'm going to be that voice. And as I um, became a disability attorney, you know, uh, again, you know, advocating for marginalized communities, and then it led me to run for counsel. And, and I still feel like in that way, I'm still trying, I'm still trying to make bridge that gap. But what I did learn is that I don't actually have to be a voice for that community. What I need to do is get out of the way. And, and like pull a seat up for that community. They can speak for themselves. I just have to make room for them, right? So that's what I'm working on. That's that's the momentum that I always try to keep up, that I'm always challenging myself to make sure that I'm inviting these communities to the table because if nobody else is gonna do it, it's my job to do it. I, at least I see it as my job to do it. Um, so, I mean, I, I it, it really is my daily struggle, my daily challenge, am I doing enough, am I doing enough? And there are some days when I really feel like I could be doing more and so I've got to do better the next day. But but for me it was, you know, I'm, I am I was part of some, some leadership groups like Latina Leadership Institute, uh, different things that sort of taught me like it's totally okay to be as San Antonio as you are, it's okay to wear bright colors, it's okay to wear your hoops, like, because I didn't think that, uh, you know, I can't be a, I can't be an elected, I'm, you know, I'm just like this little, you know, <laughs> like doing my, over here in my corner trying to do my good work and um, I, I needed to see somebody like me up there. So I think it's, it's, it's. Uh, I hope anyway that that young people in our community are seeing that we need this representation of women of color. We are the first, uh, a lot has been made of the fact that we're the first elected woman majority council, but it was 2019 when that happened. Come on, you know, like that shouldn't, that shouldn't have taken that long. But I think what's more important than that, than every one of the women that are on council with me, they are women of color and they were born and raised in these communities that they represent. That is true representative government. I, I, if you ask me a question, it's I'm, t I'm speaking for District 6 and I feel confident doing that because I grew up here. I understand this community, all parts of it, because, you know, my family, my big Mexican family was all over, you know, the, the city, right. but it, all over District 6. So I really um, that that really the, the, the transition for me was to understand that that you don't have to be the one that's always kind of talking for them. Just get out of the way and let them let them do it. And it, I, I learned that through community efforts, you know, with, with what's happening with um, with the Black Lives Matter movement and and other movements, you know, the, it's it's there really is a lot going on out there. And I've learned so much more about my own city and sitting in the seat. And I'm grateful for every day of it. Yeah. And, you know, what I've seen, especially when I ran last year, it was the thing of people just want to know what's going on. Right. Yeah. They, they just want to know why are these things happening the way they are? And, and I don't think a lot of times either the, the government usually gives them like an idea of what's going on or they don't know where to turn to. So yeah. uh, what, what do you think you can do or do you think you've done a decent job at it? Do you think you can get better at communicating with the public? Better. Absolutely. I can always get better at communicating with the public. It, it's hard. And like I mentioned, you, you can't expect people to come to you. You got to go to them. So especially in this last year, it's it's been difficult, but I go to every neighborhood meeting that I can. But, you know, not everybody goes to the neighborhood meetings. So, uh, you know, every, I've mentioned, you know, everybody's busy and got their lives to, to work on. But 
Um, but so me, it's going into the communities. Uh, there are health groups in the city, in my district, as a matter of fact, that have uh, you know mobile units, going out with them, going out to where they are, the people that are coming out to get these checkups or to get a, a vaccination or whatever it is, go out into those communities and take the opportunity to talk to them. Hey, I know you're here for a, a COVID test, but what do you what do you want to see in your neighborhood? What 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 do you like? What do you not like? That's always a question that I ask when I knock on the door. Um, right now and, and always really it's always what do you want to see but what i can do better at is getting more getting out there more you know we have social media we have uh forums like this we have uh kind of you know i have a newsletter if anybody wants to sign up for i'm very happy to to add people to that link but not everybody has access to the internet not everybody is you know really maybe cares enough right maybe they do care but they're Maybe they're just not as engaged. So it's my job to go out there and get you engaged. I would love to see, I think a, a real, if, if I'm doing a good job, what I would like to see is um, increasing voter turnout in my district at least, you know, um, because that to me will say, okay, people are paying attention. People are engaged. They care about the issues that they care about and they're willing to be heard. But I got to go to where they are. Yeah. Well, and, and if you look at um, like district, District uh, 10 is, is or precinct four is a huge precinct that turns out a lot of voters, you know, but then you look at some of the other districts and things like that, and they get very, very low voter, voter turnout, yeah. you know, and so, but like kind of like what you said is, is people don't feel like they care, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and that's been, that's been a, a long standing thing, even from, uh, I was watching a documentary on Willie Velasquez, which I don't, we're not related, but, uh, you know, it was the same thing that he came, he came across the whole thing. They were going door to door and they were like, why nobody, they don't care about us. So that mentality has been like that. And it's been like that because it, it, it it's always felt that way. So how can we change that in, in, in your eyes? Um, obviously that's, that's a big, that's a big jump, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not asking that you're going to completely change it, but yeah. how can as people as people that that run for office change these things if if the system is still in place that continues to overlook the 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 citizens that that are either lower income or, or, or things like that it is kind of a, a bad cycle because if you if you don't think that the government cares about you then you don't get involved right but does the government care about you until you get involved right so it's like it's kind of a, a bad circle that um that, that perpetuates itself. And so every time when I'm, when I'm out in the community and I ask people, you know, what do you like to see? What do you not like to see? Uh, you know, I've been looking for this for 10 years and nobody's ever, ever done it. And I'll ask them, well, have you ever asked for it? Have you ever called? No. Well, well that's why I'm here. Let's talk about it. You know, it's not to shame anybody because people are busy, you know, but um, just to say, let's, let's come on, jump in. Let's, let, all you gotta do is fill out a form or, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I do a lot of uh, surveys too. Right? We, we mail them out because not everybody can do online, but um, we mail them out and I get, you know, I get probably 15% back, which is a little more than the voting, which, you know, but uh, oh. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a self-addressed, like just fill it out and turn it in, you know, and it's, it, it, not everybody wants to do that because there's so much, um, it's not just apathy, but it's, it's mistrust. It's, it's distrust of, of our elected leaders and, you know, and, and with, with some of the things that are going on nationally, it, it's hard. I understand why people are checked out, you know, why they, they think, man, forget that. That's too, they're not going to do anything for me. But if you don't kind of get involved, you don't voice your opinion, you don't, you don't sit in that chair that we're pulling up for you, then um, how do we know? You know, so it's, uh, it's, 
it's a it's a cycle. I'm sorry. Topic that'll that'll light somebody, you know, fire somebody yeah. up. You know what I mean? There's there's got to be a topic because I know That's for true. me, I was like that. I, I was like, I don't care. It's boring. It's boring, right? Mm-hmm. Back back when I was in high school and everything. But then, you know, I started listening and I was like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> you know, like yeah. what is going on? Like I, you know, I should be more involved. And and I think once that spark happens with somebody, I think that'll start. But it's a yeah. constant cycle to where we have to know where to go and we have to know who to talk to and things like that. Um, That's a really good p- point. Um, you know, uh, that if you, when you're a kid, right? Like if, if you don't grow up in a house that's paying attention to politics or, 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 or a particular issue if it's water, if it's housing, whatever it is, right. Then maybe you're not, you're just kind of checked out. So I think that's another really good, uh, way to do this is, is kind of have more, civil engagement as uh, young people, even before they can vote, right? So that they can understand as they go into getting older and voting and getting engaged, that uh, number one, why they should be involved in it, why their voice is important to be heard in this, because they have a unique perspective and how they can do it. Not just, you know, uh, well, I, I have a really strong opinion. What do I do? Well, let's show you, right? right? So it's, it's so, somehow in the schools or, you know, after school programs, whatever it is getting out there. And I know there's good, uh, there's good, good, programs out there, but we have to do our best to, to help fund them and to help uh, get them out there. Right. Do, do any of the city council offices have like an internship for, for students? I don't know about the other ones, but I, um, I don't think I've ever said no to an intern, honestly. If, if somebody wants to come and work and learn, I was an intern uh, for a city council member back, way back when in the, in the 90s. You know, that's how I learned about this stuff. I, um, I think it's a valuable experience. It really is. Even if it's like one day a week, you know, um, we have, we've had several interns, young, even older people that are just want to know what's going on and we're an open book. So we love to have come, pe- people come in, especially when they live in my district. Of course, I always prioritize that because then I can understand what, why, um, what do you, what do you want to see out there? Right. And then they start to get a little bit like, Hey, this, this crazy is like listening to me, you know, and then, and then we all kind of have that conversation. And uh, so I love having interns in our office. They, they offer me a different perspective when I'm going out and talking to people. Sometimes they hear something, maybe I don't care because they have a different perspective and then, and it, it, I, it's value to me, but any, anything that I can offer a, a young person to get involved, I'm, I'm very, very happy to do. If I didn't have that opportunity when I was a kid, I wouldn't be here now. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too, is these districts, I mean, they're, they're pretty big but they're also small, right? But there's a high constant concentrated people there. So like um, when I ran for Texas rep last year, there was like 178,000 people in, in the district. In in some of these city council districts, you have like 150, 160, even more mm-hmm. uh, thousand people. So, um, and I know there's been the talk of expanding the city council districts. Do you think that's going to happen? And if so, when? I don't know. I mean, I imagine when we when the state looks at redistricting lines, it might. Uh, I don't know if they're going to expand. They're definitely going to probably shift around a little bit. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's inevitable. Um, and and I just you know I, I it, it doesn't to me it doesn't really matter. I mean, I know that that I'm going to represent the the geographical boundaries that I'm to represent. But also in real life, there's no boundaries. So like a District 5 resident calls me, which are my neighbors, District 4, District uh, 5, and District 7. They call me and they're looking for something. I don't say, oh, call her or call him. You know, I do it. I just, we just do it, you know, because and we, I don't want to, I'm not going to turn anybody away, right? So, because in real life, there, there are no boundaries. And in so many cases, there is a neighborhood that's cut in half. And now this is 5 and this is 
this is seven, uh, six or it's seven, confusing. whatever. It is. It's confusing. Yeah. I almost wish they could go along neighborhood lines, but but because of that, and we're never going to do that, it's too, you know, too much of a carve out. Um, I, we always just help whoever calls us. Uh, if, if we can't, for whatever reason, uh, you know, we do refer them to the right person. But if it's something that's within the city, I always just make the call myself and try to figure it out for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you, would you ever look at, um, have you ever heard of ranked choice voting? I'm sorry? Of uh, ranked ranked choice. Choice. No, I haven't. So ranked choice voting um, for for everyone who, who hasn't heard this, um, this is new to the U.S. But uh, it's been incorporated like in diff several different countries. But the way ranked choice voting works, especially with races that have a lot of people um, in them, like District Two, District Five, and District Three, ranked choice voting. What would happen is since there's probably not going to be a majority winner, right, for the first round, that first election. Oh. Right. Um, what happens is with ranked choice voting, this is an instant runoff, which the city or the, the county pays eight to ten million dollars at least to hold a runoff election. Um, so with ranked choice voting, what would happen is it would eliminate the, the need for a runoff election. This is an instant runoff and you would only vote the one time. Right. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you would have your your candidates. You rank them in order by one, two, three, four, five, in whatever order you want. And if your first pick doesn't get the, the, you know, the the majority, then it goes into round two. If there's no clear majority winner, fifty one percent, just like it is right now, then it goes into the next round. Again, you're not you're not having to vote twice or three times oh, or four. Okay. Just the one is instantly done. Um, and what happens is, then. Uh, the second candidate your your votes go to the, your second candidate and things like that and it just goes in like that to where uh you end up having an actual clear winner but you end up picking who you want in order by rank so oh, okay. you don't feel like your vote is getting wasted if you're picking maybe a not favorable by media standpoint a candidate um or things like that so this would this would definitely alleviate that it would eliminate the need for a runoff election Mm -hmm. um, and then it would also help the candidates. It would make the candidates a little bit more, um, I guess they would play nicer <laughs> um, because, <laughs> when, um, and I know that doesn't really happen here in, in the city too much, but you know, too when much. you have, you know, you have people wanting to get your second choice, your second ranked choice for your mm -hmm. the, that voter base. So is that something that, that, you know, would do you think something like that would uh would change the the landscape um here in san antonio i think it would i i've never seen that before that's really interesting and i also think that you may pay a little more attention to the other candidates if you know you've got to pick a second and third choice right, right. uh i guess the only drawback i would think and i'm just thinking out loud because i have not seen this before but you have that if you do make a runoff um you know if you like in some cases right now you have like, you know 10 11 candidates it's hard that's a lot of people how do you do you know how do you kind of figure out all all 10 people what what they're about 
but um, but you do that extra work if you know you just get the one vote, I guess, right? right. Um, the benefit to having, I think, a, that extra month of runoff is when you know you have two people, you can do a lot more in depth. Okay, what is the what's the difference between these two? What are they for? What are they against? But I do really like the idea of it. I've never I've never seen that before. I, I like the idea of having to do that work up front. Number one, only voting once because we all know that 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 runoff people don't come back. You know, they don't always come. It's a, it's a it's a fraction of the fraction <laughs> that that um, that initially voted. They don't always come back. And then uh, uh, the cost, the expense to the to the the county and the city of having that second election. Um, that's really intriguing. I, I'd like to learn more about it. Yeah. The volunteer time and all yep. that with, you right. know, struggle with getting volunteers to to be at the polling stations already to begin with. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just something different that. I, I've seen, and it's not talked about here just because it is new, right? And I think New York and some other states have started implementing them. Oh, really? Yeah, and so they're they're testing out, but you know, um, I think it would be really cool to see it on certain certain times. You know, maybe you know we could try something like that in, in one of these races that that have a really uh, have a lot of people on them. You know, like yeah. I said, two, three, and five, but. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. it's kind of be the new normal. This, these last couple of years have been very politically charged on all stages, on all levels. And so, you know, it fires people up and they want to run. I don't think that uh, this kind of a lot of people running for an office, uh, a seat are is going to go away. I think it's going to it's going to stick around because people are and, and I'm, you know, in a, in a very good way. People you want people to be engaged and involved. Uh, it's not easy to, you know, it's, it's very yeah. difficult to put your name on a ballot, you know, yeah. um, your family, everybody, you know, everybody has to be in it. So uh, I really respect it. But uh, I think that that that's a really interesting way of solving the problem of having so many candidates. Right. And I and with that, um, if you were to incorporate that in the state level as well, that mm -hmm. would end gerrymandering. Um, mm -hmm. Because then it would actually be more of a of a realistic gauge of who what people are voting for. So this yeah. actually, if if you look at some of these things, they they actually say that it would end gerrymandering. So that is a big thing that I know people have wow. talked about <laughs> with gerrymandering. I'd like um, to see too the the with you said New York and and what other state was doing it. There's a couple other states. I, I can't oh, okay. remember. I know New York specifically yeah. did it the presidential election, um, yeah. but I, 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 I can't remember. I have to look back. I'd like to but. see that data, you know, on that. Like what, what, because if somebody's already done it, then let's take the good from what they've done and leave out the bad from what they did. You know, let's learn from it, right? So um, if yeah. somebody's already taken that initiative, we can always piggyback and figure out how we can make it better. So I, I like yeah, that idea. And I know when I've asked, I've asked the candidates, you know, they've said, well, then you have to, teach people how to do it but in reality we had to teach people how to use the new machines i mean it's not sure. that much of a difference right. and there's already people that are voting for multiple candidates and their vote gets tossed out because they are doing that um yeah. if you look at some of the the data but um oh ashley says maine does it oh, oh maine okay yeah look into that. yeah for sure <laughs> um so yeah um it, as far as with with the whole CPS issue, do you see something that's going to be a positive for us? Um, and I know they recently did to where they're going to give you money or credit back to your bill. Is there something else that the, the, the city is going to do to kind of hold some of those positions accountable or some of the, hold some of these entities uh, accountable? I think, you know, the 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 
I, I, like a lot of people in the, when that storm, uh, there were times when I just felt like almost helpless. Like, what can I do? How can I help people? You know, and it was so difficult to get information and, and people and, you know, literally in the dark, right. Couldn't, couldn't figure out what was going on. How do we get help? How do we get my lights back on all of that? And uh, I think what we have to understand as a city, um, me as a, a city councilwoman, is how, what, we, we can't just learn the lessons. Okay, we did these things wrong, A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever. We did all these things wrong. We could have done this better. But what we have to do right now is make those changes. Because with climate issues and all of that, you know, that's, I know that they're saying that's like a once in a lifetime storm, but I don't buy it. I think we're going to have another one. And I don't know when, I don't know where, but it's going to happen. And we have to learn those lessons now and make these changes right now. So God forbid we have another debilitating storm like that. We're not, we learned those lessons and made those changes. So to me, it's more about, it's, I'm trying to get the opportunity out of it, opportunity to change things. Uh, One of the big issues for me was weatherization of our plants because Texas didn't mandate that we, uh, the state of Texas didn't mandate that we weatherize our um, pumping stations, our CPS um, facilities. We didn't do it. So, I mean, why did they have to mandate it? Let's just do it. Let's figure it out. You know, let's find the dollars to, to do that because it would have solved, you know, a big percentage of our problem. Um, you know, I've learned a lot about this. I and mean, we all, I didn't know who Ericot was before this. I think all, a lot of us have learned a lot about, you yeah, know, that CPS. they had qualified immunity. That was the- right. Exactly. Right. Like we didn't know a lot of this stuff. So now we, but we can't just say, oh, okay, now we know. And then, oh, it won't happen again. It, it just, it, just assume it's going to happen again and learn these lessons. Even very simple things like uh, so many people pointed out all the lights downtown were on, you know. Um, even private businesses, we can request, Hey, can you turn these lights off? You know, if, if they can, I, I actually give smaller businesses a pass because if they, you've got a little storefront at a, in a strip mall, you, you couldn't go out to, to go turn your lights off. Right. But, um, cause maybe you were snowed in or whatever, but, but, uh, but these big facilities downtown, we, we could have taken care of that. Uh, the, the alert system that we get when, um, there's a, you know, a, maybe COVID numbers are up or whatever, we could have used that. We could have used that yeah. system for anybody checked in. There's a lot of small things that we could have done differently. The CPS issue, I I'm, I'm watching it really closely. I I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about it because we cannot allow our citizens to have to foot the bill for all those mistakes. We just can't allow it. You know, the CPS in the city are now suing. And I, I, I you know, my background as an attorney, I have a lot of hope there, but you can't, you can't, um, we can't hang our hat on that. You know, we've got to keep looking for other ways to figure this out. The rebate, I know people were upset. I think it was something like $11. Uh, look, I'll take eleven dollars all day, every day. You know, like, but I just don't think it's right for everybody to have to pay uh, with with everything we already had to endure. And then on top of that, it's like insult to injury. And then now we have to pay these this ridiculous amount that we've seen in other areas of the of the state, but not here yet. So hopefully, we won't see it here. Yeah, yeah. That that was the. I don't know. There was a lot of things. It, it, here was the the thing that caught me off guard is is i had people telling me that they got their information from me or other people that um were on social media as far as like help um and nothing from the city uh and that was that was sad because i mean like i'm i'm nobody but you know but they were getting information from from our sources and not from the actual city government so uh is there something that have has there been talks about look we need to make sure we get information out regardless of, of whatever it is all across the board to to the citizens 
Yes. Yeah. The alert system is one of those things. Um, you know, we should have set up warming centers before we, 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 I, I don't know that any of us really knew how bad the storm was going to be, but we did know some weather was coming, right? We could have done a lot more to get ready for it. Um, and and I, like I mentioned before, it was I think that the biggest problem everybody had, I had included, was the lack of communication. I couldn't get in, a, answers. How can I disseminate that to my community? We had we were getting calls. We of course um, emails, all of that to our council office. My staff, I have to give a quick shout out to my staff, the district six staff, the people working for the district. They were out there delivering heaters because people had power for a little bit, but their heaters were going out because it kept turning on and off. Right. And so we were delivering heaters. We were getting water out that day. Um, and, and even two weeks after there were apart com apartment complexes weeks after that still didn't have water and they were living, you know, just they're not, they're, they're horrible living conditions. It's not, it's not right. So we did what we could, but, but all of that was like, you know, catch as catch can. It was like nonprofit groups and partnering with, you know, different different groups that um, just got involved. Not even, you know, even maybe not formally organized, but just got involved in, in us having to figure out, okay, how can we help you? We'll get 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 us this resource and we'll get it out to the apartments. We'll get it out to that community. And it was just, it was not organized in any way. So that's, I think, where we have to look at is getting that kind of communication organized and involving these groups before something happens so that when it happens, we switch the switch on and it, it goes out, you know. Um, I'm glad now that I know that you you had a hand in that. If, if again, God forbid it happens again, I'm going to reach out to you. Say, hey, get this out to my to my people. If they're paying attention and they're listening, then then let's use that channel and any other channel that people have. We were putting things out on social media and the news and we had like emergency newsletters going out, but people didn't have power. So, you know, how yeah, were they yeah. going to? So it was it was difficult. But. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was the I, I know we had did a, a bridge to somebody who was needed somebody at the, some of the Saha facilities and then food. So I was able to get contact with there and we were able to bridge that. But it's just stuff like that that people really needed at that time, because especially with Saha, you know, those yeah. Saha facilities that. And, you know, I'm not going to go into those, but, you know, well, that's another big uh, thing that I saw that that's something that I was um, there was a lot of uh, one particular facility where there was a lot of uh, publicity around it. But there were others and, and there were some in my district where we were having to go and help. And it was it's that's unconscionable. You know, we have to make sure that we're, we're doing what we can for those residents they are already at risk. Um, I, I've even started. Uh, as a matter of fact, an, uh, uh, an older lady in my district brought this to me, say, hey, um, do you have like a, a the city have a list for homebound uh, residents, not just older, not just seniors, but but homebound residents, disabled seniors. And I looked into it and sure enough, we don't. So I started looking, uh, how can we do it? Right. Well, it you know, things take time. It's a little bit like trudging through mud sometimes. So we just started our own list. I mean, pen and paper started writing down who do we know? You know, communities come to us and tell us, who do you know in your neighborhood that if something like this happens again, we can make a phone call, we can fake, go and check on them, you know? Um, I mean, it's, you know, even if it's a, one page of a list, it's one page of people that we can check on, right? So we're, we're going to continue to work on that. I'm still working, trying to figure out a way to work with the city to um, get a more organized list, but we're doing, my staff and I are doing what we can just right now, just right. with the resources we have. Yeah, you would think that that would be, on there. <laughs> yeah, it seemed. Yeah, exactly. And she came to us saying, like, do, do you have this? And I was like, oh, my gosh, we sure don't, you know, and it just a good idea, you know, from from a lady that just was paying attention. Right. And, and I always I always want to advise people that please just if there's a, an idea, just reach out to your city council, pe council members or, or reach yes. out to somebody to try to get right. information because 
just because you're like, well, I'm sure somebody saw to this. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> I ran into a couple situations. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's, I, I'm not going to say it. And then they're going to be like, dude, it's, it's already been like that. But you just never know. It, it's always helpful take to just bring something up. Yeah, take a chance. Yeah. Shoot your shot. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and you should be surprised. You know, this lady that called me saying this, I was like, man, uh, no, we don't, you know. <laughs> And right. I just, that was genius in my opinion. But if she didn't, if she thought, ah, somebody else probably thought of it, she was, she would have been wrong. So she thought yeah, of it and we're doing it. <laughs> um, and this is the, the map for uh, city council six. Sir. Um, so it's, it's definitely, uh, it's a big area. I think this yep. is 1604 right here. Um, um, I don't know where you're, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's 1604. Yeah. And then that's government canyon that's right yes sir um so and that's 410 so right you, about where you are are you is government canyon kind of attached to district six in a sense like it, it is so if you see that kind of blue line going up 471 uh, it, the district is very strange because it it's this lower part from edgewood to alamo a little bit of alamo ranch then it just just goes up 471 and then it and up gom or over to gom anyway and then government canyon it's it's very strangely drawn but i'm grateful we have a big old natural area in our district so i love it i love that we have that yeah my wife and the kids went the other week and it was it yeah. was grueling sucked <laughs> like, yes, yeah but, miles, like, oh my god <laughs> there's dinosaur tracks out there though that's so cool i love that we have uh, dinosaur tracks in our district <laughs> uh let's uh, say so the toughest question of the day what are your top three small business restaurants in district six? Oh yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many. Um, I can list off so many, but um, there's, there's uh, Katie We have a Katie in our district. That's a, a, a locally owned, um, very, very good um, Cajun food. Um, Mad Pecker Brewery, which I love because uh, it's on Tesla road and they actually have um uh, their beers, their, their ales and stuff, they named after the neighborhoods. So I love that. They're, they're very, very District 6, very San Antonio. I love that. Um, we have another little locally owned place called Sandia. Um, it has great food, but it has um, mangonadas and things like that. So I love that too. You know, Now that the weather's getting warm, we can go support them. But those are three great uh, locally owned District 6 uh, owned uh, restaurants. And if any one of those, you can't go wrong. La Perla. There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, and since I I love music, I think music always ties to people, regardless of what. Uh, we could always, you know, uh, connect with music. So, what are some of your your favorite bands, musicians, or or genres? So I am I'm a punk rock girl all the way through. So. <laughs> I love old school kind of op Ivy, uh, you know, um, rancid was a big, big, big one for me. I love rage against the machine. I think that they are one of probably one of my top five, just because it's so meaningful. That music is very meaningful to me, but I'm also, you know, my, my parents grew up in the fifties. So I grew up listening to Motown. I love, I love me some Meta James and, you know, old, um, old blues, John Lee Hooker, all of that stuff. Those are my big, uh, Kind of go-to's my comfort music <laughs> so kind yeah. of like all the way from blues over to punk rock so um but i, I love it <laughs> so do you think you think music is going in the right direction i mean Not you know, always. we always you know it's like the the older people are like oh this music sucks you know it's always like that constant 
you know, oh, once you get older, it's like, oh, that, that the new music sucks. But do you think any of the new music is any better or, or good or? Some of it. I mean, some of it, I think, has gone off kind of a way that I'm not, maybe I'm just being a vejita about it. Like, that's a little much for me, right? But, like, I love Lizzo. I love Cardi B. All of that. That's really, like, to me, that's, like, the new, that's that's almost, like, soul music in a way to me, right? It just kind of speaks to my soul. I love it. It's I love the dance. I love the, the, the just the music part of it, you know? But I love seeing women um, that are not traditionally uh, kind of empowered to, to, to have to come into their own and, and really representing uh, other people like them so i love that part of it um but you know i'm uh some of it i guess i could probably do without but like you know I i'm really looking forward to going to shows again i love going to paper tiger snoop dogg's coming to sunken garden that's a little old school but you know um i love all of that it's it's just part he's of coming, who you are coming with, uh, he's coming with martha stewart isn't he not just like <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I'm just going to watch him smoke on stage. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I love that uh, the article that came out said this new uh, uh, San Antonio's favorite stoner is coming to San Antonio. I was like, really? Like, that's not right. <laughs> He's great music. I love his music. Um, yeah. and, and he loves corridos. I'm sort of hoping that he's going to sing a corrido on stage. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. But Snoop Dogg. I could see him do that. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But it, it's it's also my escape. You know, my my work is very stressful. I'm still practicing. Um, I'm a practicing attorney. I'm raising three kids. You know, um, it's it's a very stressful. It's very stressful work. But music to me is sort of my escape. I can um I can go running and listen to my music. And I'm I'm that you know little Taft High School uh, graduate that loved you know rancid or punk rock or you know. So <laughs> so cool. I know I have it. And I know my wife has it, but do you have a soundtrack to your life? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> oh, but it's so many things. Um, I know, like, I think... Do you ever do you ever like you're like you're you're listening to music or you're you know doing whatever and then a song comes on, you're like, Oh, that's going to my soundtrack. Soundtrack yes. of Yes, I totally do. I also this y'all are gonna think I'm crazy. I also have like funeral music. Like this is a great song for my funeral because this is who I am, you know? Like <laughs> Like there's just, there's just, I, I have a lot music is very meaningful to me. So I, I yeah. do feel really strongly about um, the, the, the soundtrack to my life. But I also think like, you know, when my family's all sitting around uh, my urn, they want to hear that song because they're going to laugh because that's so Melissa, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I'll be honest with you. I did too. I, 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 I also do have, I think it was something like, um, I think it was like Elvis Crespo. Oh yeah, yeah. I love it. I, like, I love it. I want it to be a party. I don't want it to be somber playing piano. Right. Or, you know, yeah. it's gonna be a party. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Mine is my one of my funeral songs is it's a Willie Nelson song. It's nothing, nothing I can do about it now. It's, it's just if y'all ever get a chance to listen to it, I think it, the name of the song is "There's Nothing I Can Do About It Now." You know, I'm gone. Right? Like I've made mistakes, I've done good. Nothing I can do about it now. <laughs> so I think right. it'll make my my family. I hope anyway they'll laugh a little. I'm thinking about right. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I know we we've gone way over time, and I know we're supposed to. I enjoyed it. But um, is uh, how can people get a hold of you? Donate, volunteer, everything. Um, how can people do that? Thank you. So first of all, if you live in District 6, if you, know you don't, you have something to say, I'd love to hear from you. Our office number is 210-207-7065. You can also email us at District 6 at oh, San Antonio. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, there it is. Perfect. Perfect. And then uh, email is district6 at sanantonio.gov. 
Uh, if you want to get on our, our newsletter list um, uh, to get my newsletter, it's a weekly newsletter. And there is a little bit about what we're doing, but the majority of it really is resources. So I'd love to be able to get those resources out to more people. So you can email District 6 and we'll send you that newsletter uh, weekly. Social media, of course, uh, Councilwoman Melissa Cabello Harvard on Facebook and, and Instagram. And uh, it, to, for my campaign, I have a website. It's melissaforsa.com. Is it F-O-R? F-O-R, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, F-O-R. M-E-L-I-S-S-A-O-R-S-A.com, yeah. <laughs> com, you said? Yes, sir. Okay. Like that? Oh, where'd it go? Like that? Yes, sir. That's right. Okay. All right. That's right. Um, and that's where they can donate and volunteer and everything. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, is there anything that you want to, to, to say like a, like a last, some last words or anything for your campaign or anything like that? Just, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity. I mentioned it before, but whatever happens, I'm going to still be around. I'm still going to be working for this community. I am so invested. This is my, um, the San Antonio is in my blood. You know, it's, it's who I am. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to represent uh, this community. This, and especially through these last two years that have been very difficult with everything going on. At first, it was, it was hard. You know, I was, I was trying to figure out, like, what, what's my place in this? But at the end of the day, it's opportunity. It's opportunity for my people, the people that I represent, to change things, to, to, um, to advocate for people that want that change. So I'm excited about it. Uh, if I do or don't win, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the, the continued work that I'll do in the district. But I do res respectfully request your vote. I ask for your vote. And if you have any questions of me, don't hesitate to reach out. I'll give you my cell phone number. Um, if anybody has any questions for me personally, I'd love to talk with you. It's 210-549. Okay. Sure, let me know. Okay, go ahead. 210-549-8620. Call me, text me. Um, you have a question uh, or a concern? I'm, I'm open book. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, and be reasonable. Don't be doing it. Please. Like yeah, not day. past nine. I do have kids. Things like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and just thank you everybody for watching. Thank you for being engaged. Um, keep keep in mind that remember we are also having the school board election votings. Uh, school board election vote school board elections i don't know <laughs> uh so make sure you look at that i did interview some school board candidates so uh if they are in your district please do so the districts are not the same as the city council district so please be aware of that um make sure you you find out who these school board candidates are as well because they also deal with your children and where that funding goes keep uh go look at all the city council council members um where the districts are where they lie on the topics um and then ask the questions because if 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 councilwoman if, if you do not know what the, the people want how you know how can That's how right. can you do what you need to do so please reach out to her reach out to to whoever your council person is to and, and make sure you reach out and ask those questions and and tell them what you want or what you see that you would like to see change so but thank you for coming on. Um, again, make sure you tune in at one o'clock. Uh, we have our how to protest your taxes. It's very important um, because you're going to get taxed out of your home. If you don't keep protesting your taxes, you have to make sure you protest and, and how to do that effectively. Um, 
just to make sure that you're not getting taxed out of your home. <laughs> it's the best way to put it because I know mine jumped a lot and it was like, oh, it's, it's terrible. So, but thank you everyone for watching. If you would also, the viewers would like to donate to this live stream as well, my cash app is down below. Please do so. I'm not affiliated with anybody, working with anybody. So just if you would like to do the, if you'd like to see this continue, please do so. Um, but thank you, Councilwoman. I appreciate you coming on. And everybody have an awesome day. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.